Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. My loves, welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. So here's the thing. It's Valentine's Day season, and I don't know, I feel like we get force-fed lots of crap about how we're supposed to be in love and what our love is supposed to look like. And before I get into this week's question, I just want to say there is not one way to be in a relationship. And there's not only one kind of relationship that is the best kind, the right kind. There are different phases of our lives that are better suited to different kinds of relationships. That's real. Who we are is in many ways the central, essential thing. And in other ways, who we are is a journey. And on that journey, we change, things change, our needs change. And that's absolutely okay. In fact, it's fucking gorgeous. It can be gorgeous anyways. And so I wanna I wanna just say this Valentine's Day, this Valentine's Day season, choose you. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're partnered. I just want to encourage you to choose you. Choosing you is spiritual and it's mental and it's emotional and it's also behavioral. So put that in your heart-shaped pipe and smoke it, will ya? Okay, this week's question comes from Moonsign and she says, I understand that my chart is a combo of many aspects, but I'm concerned when it comes to love and emotions. I'm an Aries moon and I just don't connect to this part of my astrology at all. I'd even go so far as to say I hate the descriptions of this moon sign. With Valentine's Day coming up fast, any advice for those of us who feel a disconnect with our moon signs? Thank you so much for all that you do. Cheers. So moon sign was born. May 20th, 1982 at 2.13 p.m. in San Antonio, Texas. So we're going to start broadly with astrology and then get into your chart specifically. Whenever people tell me that they don't identify with their fill-in-the-blank, they don't identify with their moon sign, their Venus sign, whatever it is, the first thing I think is based on what? Here's the thing. Most of the time when people come into my office and they say to me, I fucking hate Scorpios, man. Scorpios are the worst. Every Scorpio I've ever known has been really messed up to me. Generally speaking, that person has a bunch of Scorpio in their damn chart or they have a bunch of planets in the eighth house, the house of Scorpio. What I'm trying to say is when we have strong aversion to certain kinds of signs, it's generally more about us than it is about the signs themselves. And I'm not saying that's the, the case for you specifically, moon signs, because what you're talking about is having, I'm assuming, read a description or some description somewhere about Aries moon and been like, yep, that's not me. I'm not brass. I'm not pushy. I'm not emotionally impatient. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, these are like the g- most general forms of interpretation of a moon in Aries. So I'm just giving you some key words that may resonate with what you've read. But as you adeptly noted... We are more than our planetary placements, right? So this is where things get really, really complicated and layered. So the first layer I want to acknowledge is that we do not all date out of our moons. In astrology, the moon governs, you know, broadly speaking, there's like a 
many, many, many layers of what each planet, each zodiac sign, each aspect, each house placement, yada, yada, yada. But what they all mean, but like very broadly speaking, the moon is your feelings. It's how you process emotions. It's how you seek to care for others. It's how you express your emotions. It's your past and your memories. And what's really relevant about past and memories is that so much of how we feel about ourselves, how so much of how we do or don't trust and all that kind of good stuff is absolutely reflective of our early developmental experiences and what we believe to be true through our feelings based on what we've gone through in the past. And so when we talk about something like a moon sign, a lot of times people are not dating from their moon. I cannot count on all my digits. How many times somebody has come to me and been like, well, I'm X age and therefore I need a partner and I need a partner who makes a certain amount of money and I need that person to be ready to have children because I'm ready to have children. I want them to be taller than me and I want them to give me some babies. And that is not a lunar predisposition. That shit is Saturn. That's I have an idea about the timeline of my life. I know what my life needs to look like and I'm going to organize my choices and my life around those needs because of reality, because of time. That's Saturn. So you may feel a certain kind of way about a thing, but that's Saturn. I know lots of people who use apps. Maybe you know some. Maybe you yourself have done such a thing. When you use a dating app and you're swiping through people's photos, do you think that's your moon? Uh, Probably it isn't. I mean, I'm not saying that we can isolate um, certain parts of ourselves completely from others. Everything is interconnected within our nature, within our birth chart. However, when you're looking at the way a person dresses and you're like, oh, look, this person is standing by a tiger and he is wearing Crocs. This is a no for me, let's say. That's Venus. That's your aesthetic. That's uh, your associations based on the way things look. Let's say it's more like, oh my God, this person is so hot. That's Mars. Mars is chemistry and pheromones. When you go on a first date with somebody, yes, your emotions are huge, right? How you feel about yourself is so important in terms of how you are going to feel in the presence of someone you may want or desire or need. But that want, desire, and need is not exclusive to the moon, not until you're in an intimate relationship, T-B-H. Mars is sexual desire. It's chemistry. Venus is like getting along, you know, having an ease of connection. It's flirting. If you don't have a good flirting dynamic, how are you going to get to the rest of it? I beseech you. So these are all really important things. And if you're in such a Saturnian state that you're like, I'm not even here for flirting. I don't want to get to know people. Getting to know people is boring. I don't have time to get to know people. I don't have time for this. I just want to get to a relationship. That's not your moon. That's not that's not inherently a lunar impulse. That is inherently more related, again, to Saturn. Can be the sun, can even be Mercury, but it's super Saturnian. If we want to look to something like Neptune, Neptune is the great idealist of the zodiac. Neptune is highly romantic. Neptune inclines us to want to have that romantic connection that when you give the first kiss, your little foot pops up like a Disney princess and everything is just there. And you don't need to speak your truth because everything is just known. It's romance. It's dynamic. That's not the moon. Not unless the moon is aspected by Neptune. That shit is Neptune. 
I can keep going. I mean, I can keep going. You know I wrote a book about it, so I'm not going to completely keep going because I wrote a whole book about it. You can just get it. Astrology for Real Relationships. That said, when you say to me, my love, and you are not the first or the only person to say this, if you feel disconnected by your moon and you're trying to use astrology to give you insights into your emotional nature so that you can kind of actualize things in your love life, I want to say the moon is not your only place to do that from. That's first and foremost. It is simply not your only place to do that from. And from your question, I am hearing that you are impatient and having judgment towards yourself, right? I am hearing that you're saying that you don't agree or you don't like the descriptions of your moon. You're actually not saying a goddamn thing in your question about your own feelings, though. You are only saying, I am rejecting this description. That's all you're saying. So within that, I mean, you know, I don't know exactly what your what your arguments are against an Aries moon, but I can say this, my dear. In your birth chart, you do have a moon in Aries and it's in the eighth house, which is, you know, the house of Pluto and Scorpio. It is opposite Pluto itself. It is opposite the most intense and driving and compulsive planet of the zodiac. It is also trine to Neptune. So what this means is that your emotional nature is deep and intense and driving. You are profoundly impatient with how things feel when you don't like the way they feel. And you often don't like the way they feel because moon opposite Pluto makes you hypersensitive to pain and to struggle. And while part of you does believe that relationships are work and that they're worth the work, you are so frustrated with other people's bullshit straight out the gate that it can be very hard for you to get to the middle part of a relationship where the work is based on trust, which is really what a moon needs. And on top of that, because your moon forms a trine to Neptune in the fourth house, you are a little idealistic. You do want that transportive, like we met and it was perfect and I knew kind of vibe. And sometimes you get that. The problem is it tends to be a little bit more of a surface connection than a deep connection. And at the end of the day, you want depth. You're really driven towards emotional depth. And you want somebody who's willing to do the work with you and you want to do the work on you. That said, Who's a Taurus sun? You're a Taurus sun. And so your identity, the sun, the way you want to be known and identified is as reasonable as like somebody who really is, you know, who is diplomatic. Now your sun is at the anoretic degree, the final degree of the sign Taurus, and it is very close to Chiron, which is a whole other interpretation situation. But I can round it up to say that you are an intense person. For you to let someone see you, to let someone truly know you, takes trust. It takes closeness. It takes intimacy. And that does point us back to your moon, because those are all the key words of the moon in astrology, intimacy and closeness and trust. However, you do have a moon in Aries, and moon in Aries is impatient. You may not experience yourself as impatient exactly or think of yourself as impatient exactly because you have all these justifications for why you shouldn't stay in a situation or have to do the work with this person in this moment because of Pluto's involvement, because of the house placement of the moon. Within all of this, we have complexity. You are complex. 
We are all complex. Even the most (laughs) uncomplex amongst us are complex. What I want to ground you into is this. It is really tempting in the realm of intimacy and relationships. Again, whether you are single or you are partnered or you are dating, it is easy to point at other people and say, this is what's wrong with them. This is why it's not worth it. And it's easy to point at ourselves and say, I'll never have this because I've never had it before. I'll always have this because this has always happened before. You get what I'm saying. It's easy to get into absolutist thinking. It's tempting to look for easy answers. The truth is, is that it's more of a a dance. For you to embrace your moon is theoretical. Like when we talk about like embracing your moon, on one level, this is just like an analytic practice, right? Astrology itself doesn't do the work for you. Astrology itself doesn't heal anything. Astrology is a tool. It's a system for understanding the self. Once you have that understanding, now you have to do something with it because you can be like so many people who, you know, are basically like healing junkies, right? You you collect all, you know, human design, astrology, Reiki, you do all the fucking things, you learn all the systems. But if you're not integrating the systems, if you're not using the information, then to what end, I say, to what fucking end? So unfortunately here, what I want to really point you to is if you're asking me about a disconnection from your moon sign. What you're really asking me about is a disconnection from yourself, from your feelings. And if you feel disconnected from your feelings, this is not really about Valentine's Day, but it's certainly going to be more annoying on Valentine's Day. It's about not knowing how to sit with the feelings that you have that are hard to feel. And those feelings may be loneliness or isolation. They may be impatience and agitation. They may be sadness. I mean, there's so many emotions that we don't want to feel that are just inherent to the human condition. And if you hear me say this and you think, yeah, but I'm single and I've been single for X amount of years, uh, I can assure you that hella people in relationships are very fucking lonely. And I can also assure you that hella people who are actually single and have been single a long time are not lonely. Heterotypical romantic union is not the end-all be-all. Now, listen, it may be for you personally, but at the end of the day, our external conditions, I am married, I am not married. I have somebody who's close to me. I don't have somebody who's close to me. These things are real, they're material, and they're consequential, but they are not conclusive. What's conclusive is your relationship to yourself your willingness and ability to choose yourself, to embrace yourself, to figure out how to like yourself, and to build trust with yourself so that you can really fall in love with yourself. And falling in love with yourself and liking yourself doesn't mean not being critical of yourself. It's good to be critical of yourself. It's good to to keep on digging at your shit and, and to grow and to learn and to be humble when you need to and all that kind of good stuff. In doing these things, your relationships start to get better. If you don't have relationships, then you start to develop the tools where you can start to put yourself out there without abandoning or losing yourself or shutting down when things get uncomfortable, which is what most all of us do to some extent or another in some way or another. Now, my love, I really hope this was helpful. I really hope you find a way to embrace your moon, whatever your fucking moon is, because the truth is, and and I got to say this really emphatically, I've never seen in more than 25 years of being a consulting astrologer, I've never seen a chart where I was like, oh, this is a bad astrological chart. There's no such thing as a bad chart. 
Some people have harder conditions. Some people have easier conditions. Easier conditions don't mean better. Harder conditions don't mean worse. I, I mean, in an immediate sense, it might seem that way, but, but it really isn't. Whatever your journey is, I encourage you to not compare it to others. Whatever your journey is, I encourage you to find ways, small and large, to choose yourself, to embrace yourself, to love yourself, and to understand that that doesn't happen in a vacuum, that that happens in the context of familial relationships. It happens in the context of your friendships, of your community, of your love relationships, of the shitty things you've done and the gorgeous things you've done and everything in between. It also happens in the context of the social conditions that you were born into and that you are currently at the mercy of. It is complicated and it is layered and it all starts with not abandoning yourself. It all starts with learning how to choose yourself and not in a way that makes you better or worse than anyone else. In a way that is simply about you figuring out how to like you and love you and choose you from there. Abundant Beginnings Collective is a Black-led community education and empowerment initiative. For over a decade, Abundant Beginnings has been organizing the Forest Freedom School, its summer camps, after-school programs, and teach-ins to cultivate activist youth, conscious educators, and empowered parents. Abundant Beginnings Collective is raising money to grow, implement, and share their social justice curriculum, resources, and tools so that Black and brown children all over the U.S. can see themselves as the brilliant, powerful, and generous beings that they are. Your donation will go toward providing tuition, free schooling for Black and brown families, support ABC educators, developing and distributing curriculum, and purchasing land to expand their visionary programs. Support the Abundant Beginnings Collective by donating to their fundraiser and invest in the next generation of activists, leaders, and revolutionary thinkers. Donate at AbundantBeginnings.org and follow along on their journey on Instagram at Abundant Beginnings. Okay, let's get astrological. Now, you know me. I am nothing if not a ray of sunshine, an eternal optimist. That's sarcasm. But before we get into the details of the astrology of the week ahead, I want to acknowledge that this has been a time from the election and the very recent domestic terrorist attack. We have still a great deal of unrest in the United States uh, of America. The 45 is still not admitting that he lost the election. While he no longer may have access to social media and the ability to make a lot of noise about that, it is important if you're not somebody who consumes a lot of news that you know that that is what is happening so far. Now, I'm not a news source. Obvi. Girl. Obvi. I'm an astrologer on an astrology podcast. But it is important to stay aware, to stay informed. I think so many of us are so wildly burnt out from the last four years. We are so wildly burnt out from so much, from COVID, from so many things. But there is a lot that is still very much up in the air. And we are still dealing with great civil unrest. You know, it is wonderful that there's a vaccine now. Whatever it is that you personally think or feel about taking a vaccine, it is really great that there is a vaccine and there's multiple vaccines, actually. It's wonderful that there's options and that there's progress on that front. But there's also new strains of COVID, right? And now we're almost at the year-long 
anniversary here in the U.S. of a lot of major cities being on quarantine or lockdown. So it's it's a lot. And a lot of people are experiencing massive burnout. So it's not just COVID exhaustion. It's real burnout. Even our best case scenario of things getting better and, quote, back to normal, whatever the hell that means, it's still a ways away. I want to just acknowledge that because so many of you are reaching out to me and expressing just that you yourselves are feeling unrest. You yourselves are feeling off and you don't know why. I can talk to you about the astrology of, you know, the week, the day, whatevs, and that's really helpful. But it's also important to know that you as an individual are part of a collective. Within that collective, there's, you know, lots of small communities you may be identified with or belong to. And then there's the larger community of the country you live in or, you know, the part of the world that you're in. And then there's the global community. There is a massive amount of unrest in the world. And it is likely to be something that you feel one way or another, right? I mean, in India, the farmers have been protesting against the government. It's the largest protest in human history. Over 250 million have come together. I mean, that is that is a massive amount of people. There are things happening all over the world, people coming together, people being torn apart. Again, this is not a news podcast. This is not exactly what I'm here to talk about. But I want to just acknowledge that the unrest that is happening globally, that the unrest that is happening domestically, it has an impact on us all. We are all a part of it. If you are alive for it, you are a part of it. With that, I want to say, you know, take all the breaks you need, prioritize and manage your self-care as much as you need, and understand that true spiritual wellness, true spiritual integration is not apolitical. It is political because, as we know, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. We do owe each other a great deal. We just do. That might feel like a total boner or that might feel like a a gift. I want to hold space for how in this very Aquarian season that we are in. Oh, man, is it a very Aquarian moment. I want to hold space for how staying connected, seeing and affirming our connection to each other can help to inspire acts of bravery, acts of allyship, acts of defiance and compliance and all the things, all the damn things. And within that, we can make society in our own image. Within that, we can collaborate with people who know more than us. We can learn. We can be humble when we need to. We can, we can stand up for what we believe in, you know? It's really fucking important. And, you know, I, I invite you, if you're having a week where you're just feeling super fucking off, you're just feeling like off, anxious, weird, whatever, read the damn news. <laughs> read the damn news and be like, oh, yeah, look, the world's all over the damn place right now. It's a great deal of unrest. Maybe I'm just sensitive to that. And then remember that action is often the antidote to anxiety. So when I say that, I don't mean to, you know, disordered anxiety. I'm talking about situational, circumstantial anxiety. Finding small actions that you can take that are life affirming or progressive that move something along can be very affirming and helpful and healing for your anxiety. Uh, Okay, we're going to get to your horoscope now. It's February 7th through the 13th of 2021. So I want to remind you that Mercury is retrograde. Do you need to be reminded? Do you? Or are things annoying enough? 
As we know, Mercury retrograde is a great time to reflect and review and revisit. Beautiful, but on a more pressing and immediate level, it's a time for, you know, communication being a little confusing, you thinking you really understand what's expected of you, and then you figure out that you fucked up and you didn't understand it, or vice versa. You know, it's just like wonky communication stuff. So don't take it personally. Do what you got to do. Keep on moving. Also, we have so much Aquarius energy in the house. Just so much Aquarius. So Aquarius energy is air energy. But if you've ever seen the glyph, aka the symbol for Aquarius, it looks like uh, water or, or electricity, depending on how you see it. So all of this Aquarius energy can have your nervous system on edge. You might find yourself really in your head or like things are moving quicker than you know how to keep up with. It's just par for the damn course if you're into golfing metaphors, which I apparently am. So yeah, it's a lot of mental energy and a lot of fast moving energy. And it may feel hard to keep up or you may be feeling really kind of like inspired to keep up. It's all up to you. See, it's all personal to you. But on the 8th, we have a sun conjunction to Mercury retrograde. And when the sun and Mercury meet up in the sky, what happens is we start really taking things personally. Like, you know, you say something, you have an idea, you have a belief or an attitude, and you feel highly identified with it. Because Mercury, of course, is your attitudes and beliefs and your thoughts. And the sun is your identity and your sense of self. So when they meet up, you know, you might say something and then feel super identified with it. You, somebody else may say something to you and you might take it really personally if you disagree. I want to remind you quite gently that we can disagree and not be in conflict. You might have some bit of information that someone else doesn't have. And that doesn't mean that that other person, you know, is against you. They just might be a person who doesn't know what you know or who knows what you know and doesn't see it the way you see it. The sun conjunction to Mercury, when Mercury is retrograde, is a slightly different story because Mercury retrograde wants us to look within. It wants us to look at things that already happened, things in the past, right? That's the review part of the retrograde. So you may find yourself thinking about something that happened a while ago. You might find yourself having to answer for something you said or wrote a while ago. This is not a great time for jumping to conclusions. Now, when I say it's not a great time, I mean, you're going to want to. Someone's going to want to, but it's not super smart. This is a great time instead for investigating, checking shit out, being adaptable if you need to be adaptable. I mean, there is such wisdom. I mean, true fucking wisdom in being able and willing to pivot when presented with information that compels you to pivot. You know, it's not a sign of weakness to change your mind. It's not a sign of weakness to be adaptable. It's actually a sign of strength and humility. Now, on the 10th, we will have a Mercury retrograde square to Mars. This transit's also going to happen again next month on March 23rd. So we really want to pay attention to this bad boy because we're going to kind of be in the phase of it for a real long time. See? And whatever it is that comes up for you on and around this date, again, you're going to want to bookmark because it's going to come back uh, at the end of March or whatever, March 23rd. So Mercury square to Mars on a good day. It is a time when you are brave and you say what needs to be said on a good day. That transit, it has you really motivated to actually like 
figure something out, do the research, have the difficult conversation, uh, move something forward that requires your attention and thought process. That's Mercury square Mars on a good day. Mercury square Mars on a not so good day is feeling agitated and feeling defensive and having fights. And the fights are usually more about how you said what you said than what you actually said. So they're more about delivery than substance. But in the moment, they feel like I am being attacked and I shall fight you. Mercury retrograde square to Mars, because we're now dealing with the retrograde, it might either include some sort of trigger that you have or that the other person has or something from your past. And we're not talking about like deep into your past, more your recent past uh, may be somehow provoked. So here's the thing. You get to take responsibility for yourself. You can't take responsibility for other people. You cannot change or corral others. I mean, you can try. You can even be successful for periods of time. But to what end, I implore you? To what end? Instead, what I want to ground you into is that this is a time for you to be willing to be humble and to adapt if need be. And what that might look like is just don't open your damn mouth if you're not sure that what you want to say is true or appropriate to the situation or proportionate to the situation. What you say may come off a lot harder or harsher than you intended to. I'm sorry. And it might not just be that you're the one. It might be that someone else acts that way towards you. Isn't that annoying? It is. Technically, technically speaking, this transit is annoying. I would say that's the key word. <laughs> annoying. So you might be annoying. I might be annoying. Some rando on the street may be annoying. The key here is how do you take responsibility for the ways in which you are annoying? How do you take responsibility for the ways in which you respond to other people annoying you? Now, it is possible, if we go into worst case scenarios, that we're talking about people being straight up offensive. And that is a whole other conversation. In that case, you may need to have a real conversation that is hard to have. In that case, you may, may need to protect yourself, stand up for yourself, advocate for yourself or for someone else. In those cases, pick your battles wisely. When I say that, what I mean is we all have feelings. We all have so many feelings. And sometimes we don't know what to do with our feelings. We don't know what the healthiest or the most appropriate or the most accessible way of dealing with our feelings is. And so what we do is we stumble upon some sort of situation where it's not exactly the root of our problem. It's not actually the real problem that we have, but it is somehow the most convenient, safe, or accessible thing in front of us that we can dump all our shitty feelings on. And then we act out. This is something all humans do. Some of us do it all the time. Some of us do it when shit gets terrible, but we all do it. Pay attention. See the ways in which you do that or you may do that around this time this week, and also take responsibility for whatever that is and whatever that comes from. If you notice somebody else doing that, I do not encourage you to say, hey, you know, an astrologer warned me that this was going to happen. Let me tell you what's really going on for you. I would simply say when somebody is in a state of activation like that, generally speaking, if it's possible, the best thing to do is to not engage. Because when a person is caught up in a trance pattern, and when I say trans pattern, what I'm referring to is we're caught up in a loop or a pattern that originates in 
lived experiences that are completely not about the moment we're in, but instead about something much deeper and core to our nature. When we're caught up in a trance pattern, what occurs is hard to predict, but it's usually that we don't have proper perspective in the situation because we're so caught off guard by our own patterns, right? And those are the hardest things to cope with because the pattern feels more real than the details of the situation. This is a great time to become more aware of and engaged consciously, progressively with those patterns in yourself. Okay, so that brings us to the new moon. And the new moon will be exact at 23 degrees of Aquarius on the 11th of February. This will be exact at 11.06 a.m. Pacific time. The effects of that Mercury retrograde square to Mars are playing meaningfully in this new moon chart. My friends, new moons always occur when the sun and moon are at the exact same degree of the exact same sign. And we generally speaking, have one new moon per sign per year. Now this is our time for the new moon in Aquarius. And in this particular new moon chart, we have a Saturn, we have Saturn at six degrees, Jupiter at 12 degrees, Venus at 12 degrees as well. We have a Jupiter-Venus conjunction in this chart. We have Mercury right in between that sun and Venus at 16 degrees. And then we have the moon and sun at 23 degrees each. And that's all in fucking Aquarius. My nerds, my loves. It's a lot of Aquarius for anybody, truly, for anybody, (laughs) for anybody. And on top of it, we have Uranus and Mars now thankfully further apart from each other, both in Taurus. So they're forming respectively squares to at least one of each of these planets. Uranus is forming a square to Saturn. It will be exact soon, but not this week, thankfully. But the tension is mounting. The energy is mounting. We have Mars at 18 degrees of Taurus, and it is forming a square to Jupiter, to Venus, to Mercury, and even to the sun and moon. And so we can expect intense energy. Mars and Taurus forming all those squares is agitating, right? It is annoying. It is frustrating. It is triggering. All of these are feelings that we can expect to feel, or we can expect to be dealing with other people who are feeling those feelings. The energy of this new moon is provocative, okay? It's likely to feel anxiety-inducing because Aquarius is this air sign that is ruled by Uranus, and Uranus is related to the central nervous system. It's the internet. It's electricity. So you can see how Aquarian energy is really, it's big energy, but it's a lot of energy, and it's hard to focus it without being hyper-focused, When we look at this new moon chart, we can see that we are likely to be pretty consumed with how we feel. And because of Mars's involvement, that feeling is not just about emotions, although it certainly is because it's a new moon chart, but it's also how we house and hold emotions in our bodies. So Mars is related to the physical body, right? To embodiment in general. And so this is likely to be a new moon where what you are not aware of mentally, you are going to be aware of physically. So again, part of my kind of gently pointing you towards world events and what's happening in your community and in the world at large is because, you know, whether or not you're conscious of it, you're likely to be experiencing the world at this time. This is 
quite an important time in human history and human development. And I think that this week in particular, something is going to shift, something is going to uh, contract or expand in a meaningful way on the global stage. It is certainly possible that there will be an emphasis on a personal level within your community or platonic world. So which is to say like your friends, uh, the people that you work with, the people that are connected to causes or online communities that you're a part of, whatever it is. And there may be some sort of upsets that occur there. Now, again, this is where you really want to apply all that Mercury square to Mars wisdom I tried to impart upon you and to really make sure that you are paying attention to what you're bringing to the table and holding space for the complexity of what other people are bringing to the table. This is an intense time. Let us offer each other grace to say it wrong, to fuck it up, to make some mistakes, while also doing ourselves the kindness of not taking other people's bullshit on. If you don't like a person, stop giving them your attention. Unless that person has real control and power over your life, let it go. Otherwise, it starts to be about you. Why are you investing in the people and situations that bring you no joy, that are not good for you? Now, again, there's plenty of situations where you don't have an option. But in those situations where you do, uh, really look at that, you know. The cool thing about all this Aquarius energy is it can bring innovation and openness and it can empower you to see things differently, to really kind of come up with new solutions to what might be patterns of problems. Which brings me to one more thing I'll say about this Aquarian energy is it is focused on patterns. Aquarius is really good at seeing patterns. So I'm not saying necessarily sun and Aquarius people, but the, the sign, the energetics of Aquarius. You know, it's related to technology um, and astrology, which is all about patterns, right? So when we see patterns in things, we want to stay somewhat grounded about that to make sure that we're not creating patterns that simply don't exist because we want to see things as connected. But instead, as we start to see things as connected, we then follow through with research. We follow through with more data collection, whatever that looks like, if it's on a professional scale, uh, global or domestic scale, or if we're talking about like your relationship to your roommate. You can have your theories, but vet them, my friends, vet them up. Now, one more thing I'm going to say about this beautiful new moon chart. Venus is conjunct Jupiter. Venus conjunct Jupiter, that's, that's pretty damn romantic. Venus conjunction to Jupiter on a spiritual level can be a time where you really start to highlight and expand in your life or in your relationship to your spiritual practice or your interpersonal relationships, even to your finances and your career. You expand and highlight what it is that you really value what it is that you think is truly important. And this can be a time where you make a decision to change up where your money's invested, where you exchange a flirtation that really just, it just lights up your day and it gives you some extra sparkle. And who amongst us could not use extra sparkle? This transit can really just, it can make things fun and cute and sexy. And we love that. So as much as possible, if there's, you know, joy to be had, I say to you, go get it. And also, don't confuse attention and love. Don't confuse a gorgeous moment with something of the future. The future is the future and the present is the present. Try not to be attached during this new moon transit. Venus conjunction to Jupiter, it's just really, it's a lovely, good feeling. And so 
if you can apply that lovely good feeling to situations that need a little a little air, a little levity to them, then, you know, hey, man, go do that. That would be great. Now, in this chart, we do have a Mercury conjunction to Venus. Of course, Mercury retrograde conjunction to Venus. It's not quite exact during the new moon. It is exact on the 12th. Similarly, Mars is forming a sextile to the planet Neptune, which is exact on the 13th and wide on the 11th with the new moon. So these transits will kind of like bring us out of the week. And Mercury conjunction to Venus, longtime listeners of the podcast will notice that I do not get that deep about this transit ever because I just don't find that it's terribly uh, impactful. Mercury and Venus are always quite close to each other. So when they conjunct, it's not, first of all, that unusual, but it's also just like, you know, it just is like a facilitator of social connection. If you have been feeling lonely or stuck and you just need to like zhuzh it up interpersonally, the astrology of the 12th will help that out. Also, if you're like, oh, I've really been wanting to like pick up a new book and I don't know what to do, go to your local independent bookstore sometime, you know, on the 12th or right close to the 12th, and you will probably find a book that you fucking love. Yeah, that's right. Who doesn't want that? The Mars sextile to Neptune can be a little bit of a deeper transit. You know, Mars is the ego and Neptune is the higher self. When they form a 60 degree angle, aka a sextile, what happens is our ego is less demanding. It is more willing to put its drives in the backseat in favor of some greater ideal. This can be shitty. This can actually be like a weird set of energies if you are involved in a situation that is demanding your obedience. You know, if you're involved in a personal relationship or a group that wants your obedience at all costs and wants you to forego self-care and uh, taking responsibility for yourself, this can actually be a pretty shitty transit. And in this world, with so many people wrapped up in queue and other conspiracy theories, this could actually be a little bit of a negative experience. But generally speaking, and by and large, a 60 degree angle, aka a sextile, is a lovely flow of energy. And this transit is a great time for putting your needs aside and putting your energies behind something that you truly believe in that is not just for yourself, but for the greater good. If you can get your hands in dirt or your feet in dirt, that is a gorgeous thing. A little bit of nature will do a body really good in general, but certainly around this transit. This transit is a great time for showing up and helping out. If you're not going to do that in some sort of like big social or political way, you know what you can do? You can contact your friends and just be like, hey, I've been thinking about you. You are adorable. You are appreciated. You are in my heart. You're in my thoughts. Just let a person feel good. And don't do it for what they're going to say in response, because the key with this transit is to act for the joy of the action. If you are an artist or a creator of some kind, this can bring out a lot of inspiration, which is really lovely. And if you're not an artist or a creator, this is a great time to be transported by the arts in general. So that might mean watching a movie that really moves you or taking a dance class or whatever. This transit is, is lovely. While it doesn't especially favor concentration, all of this Aquarius energy has got us all over the damn place anyways. So what are you going to do? I say, what are you going to do about it? My loves, 
That was your horoscope for the week. And I thank you this week and every week for joining me to talk about astrology and life and love and all the other things. If you haven't yet joined me over on Patreon, I want to formally invite you. Hey, join me over on Patreon. Also, I'd like to just take a moment to tell you that Astrology for Days, my forthcoming astrology student and astrologer app, is uh, it's forthcoming and it's cute and it's useful. I mean, basically what I've done, I'm going to tell you about it more, but I've teamed up with my partner, my forever fiance and the editor of Ghost of a Podcast. We've teamed up to build an app for me, the astrology app that I want. But honestly, it's not just the astrology app that I want in 2021. It's the astrology app that in 1995 I wanted, pre-apps, of course. It's the astrology app that I really wished I had and could have used in 2005. And it's the astrology app I wanted in 2010. What I'm trying to say is, as a longtime astrology student and practitioner, this would have worked for me at any stage of my learning and development. And so for any of you who've taken your astrology fandom into astrology study, if you can read the glyphs, if you can read the symbols, you're going to want this thing. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be useful. And it's going to encourage you to think for your damn self because you know that's what I love. That's what I encourage you to do. Okay, I don't mean to be mysterious, but that's all I'm going to say about it for now. And this week and always, I encourage you to treat yourself and others with kindness and patience and generosity. I'll talk to you in a few days. Bye. Every year they say the